Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spezia, and today is July 23rd, 2017. This is the 32nd episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games, and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Well, I want to thank you for tuning back into the show. It has been a chaotic couple of weeks. I do apologize for missing last week as well. Uh, going through a lot of big life changes at the moment. Uh, if you recall a couple of weeks ago on our last episode, mentioned that my wife and I were starting the process of looking for a house, and we've already found one, and we've already put in an offer, and that offer's been accepted. Uh, so things are moving very quickly. The house has been inspected it's in the middle of appraisal right now uh we're closing in less than three weeks and that's pretty crazy to think about so uh, not only will we be moving locations to where this show is currently recorded but uh, there is going to be a lot that goes into you know starting up a new place of residence Uh, so i hope that this doesn't you know impact future weeks and, and delays and all that but i can't say that for sure uh, I know that once we'll be settled, we can get back into the flow of things. Uh, you know, there are no odd sleep schedules that we have to work around now anymore, so we can be more flexible with recording times and figure out what works for the show. Uh, but yeah, it, you've caught the show at an interesting time. If you either are a fan or if you've just joined the show, uh, a lot of changes on the home front. So it's going to be big. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, in the end topic of the show. Uh, going to talk about some changes to media and kind of get some different opinions out there. Uh, but first, we'll start the show. We'll go through a few segments if you're new. Well, we'll go through quickly the games that I'm playing. We'll go through a headline roundup of the last week or so in gaming news. And then we'll go through the show's main topic. We'll talk for about 10 minutes or so. Then we get to the callers. That's the meat of the show here on the Power Switch have people call in like a talk radio show and get opinions out there. We'll wrap the show up with a little end segment, as I mentioned, and we'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. Uh, let's uh, get to some more housekeeping, though, I suppose. Uh, I was listening to other Game of the Year podcasts, at least so far, like the half year, halfway point uh, for, for Game of the Year so far. And uh, hearing a couple other interesting options that, you know, just comparing what I said last week and hearing some more opinions on it. Uh, you know, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is another game that is coming up a lot on people's, you know, possible game of the year so far. And it's, it's, I guess it makes sense. You know, it's kind of breaking some new ground for an early access game, getting a, a big player base there on Steam. And also a lot of people talking about Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, particularly if they're playing in VR. Uh, that is one I have to play as well. It's kind of sitting there right now on the PS4, waiting for me to get to it. Uh, not with VR, though, but I'm interested to at least try it. Survival horror, not necessarily my genre of choice, but I would like to get to it. Uh, I am playing or have been playing a few games. So I got to play Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. What a nightmare of a chapter that is, or a title, but uh, <laughs> it was an interesting installment in the Kingdom Hearts series. You know, as, as we wait for Kingdom Hearts three and the news that comes out there, uh, got to play the the section of the game, the little segment of the story that is running in that Unreal Engine, and kind of emulating what Kingdom Hearts three will play like. Uh, this is you know kind of Aqua's story in the dark world and i found it pretty interesting to you know try different things and all that but uh, the end of that game plays an interesting element I, I'll, I won't spoil it for those that still have yet to get to it it is a 2017 game after all uh, but just you know a two to a three hour little chapter that was pretty rewarding to play as a kingdom hearts fan the good tie-in to the story uh, i didn't necessarily see the movie the little cutscene movie that was on there i could always watch it on youtube and i've played Dream Drop Distance before, so I didn't necessarily need to go through that, but that was just a little rent, you know, try it, send it back. Also played uh, Monument Valley. We had Annika call in uh, last episode and recommend that. A good mobile game. Uh, very much, you know, MC Escher, she talked about, you know, rotating the world and seeing how that changes as you move your character around the structure and avoid enemies. And I liked that there wasn't a, a death state where you had to restart over. It's more just the enemies were an annoyance. I did appreciate that. Uh, not a particularly difficult game, a pretty quick game. 
they do have the sequel that's out and I'm definitely tempted by that after playing it. Um, but yeah, really, really fun little puzzle game. Uh, definitely similarities to a game like Echo Chrome on PlayStation, uh, PS3. Also Fez, uh, very similar where you're rotating the world and seeing how that changes the environment, what you're allowed to do based on that. Uh, and then I just got to play Severed this week. Uh, it was a PS Plus game a couple weeks ago. Uh, Severed on multiple devices, but I played it on PlayStation Vita. You can also get it on iOS, 3DS. I think it's also on Wii U, uh, but a very touch-based game. And in the sense where you're doing first-person dungeon crawling, you know, encountering new enemies, you know, change elements of the dungeon so you can progress to new areas. But the main element is the combat where you're slashing across the screen with your finger. And uh, that can get pretty frantic, especially in the later parts of the game where you got to deal out as much damage as possible. Short strokes get you know lower damage, longer strokes get higher damage. Since so you're you're going all across the screen, you know, as when the enemies have open weak points, you got to deal as much damage as possible. So it can get pretty physically intense. Uh, you know, good short game, probably about five, five and a half hours if you want to beat it for the first time. But if you want to do full completion, I'd say that's about seven, seven and a half hours. Uh, so I did get the platinum trophy on that. I really enjoyed that. That's from Drinkbox Studios. They made Guacamelee before. So they kind of have built up a pretty good Metroidvania pedigree, if that's the kind of game you're looking for. So check out uh, severed for sure, but also check out Guacamelee from a few years ago. That's a very good game as well. So just a few small games. I, I do want to get into playing some more games, but uh, this this house stuff, it's, it's definitely taking up a big priority. It's pretty crazy to think that in one week we had started to look with a realtor and then suddenly we're you know, already accepted for, for a place. And so that's, that'll be exciting, but a lot of work to go into it for sure. Let's get now to our headline roundup. Evo 2017 has come and gone. That's from last week. You were catching up a couple weeks here uh, for news. But we had Super Smash Bros. Melee. We had Armada beat Mango. That's a you know big classic rivalry in the Melee scene. On Smash Bros. Wii U, Salem, who is no stranger to the upset scene, is a you know brawl champion as well. But Salem, with his Bayonetta, beat Zero. Zero, the, the longtime seemingly undefeated champion in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U, and his Diddy Kong, Salem with the victory for Evo 2017. Street Fighter V was a pretty interesting one as well with Tokido beating Punk. Uh, Punk representing Panda Global Gaming. I see you there, Panda Global. And uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, uh, the last year in in Evo uh, for that game before it eventually, I'm sure, moves over to Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Uh, you had Ryan LV with his Chun-Li, Morgan, and Phoenix team beating NY Chris G. Yeah, the D23 Games panel, that was a, a pretty big one on July 15th. I'm sure they talked about Star Wars Battlefront 2 and they had Marvel's Spider-Man. That was, you know, some some more looks into it. Not too much big news, though. Uh, you had some new games announced, though. You had Star Wars Jedi Challenges, where it looks like Disney's going to be partnering with Lenovo to build some sort of augmented reality visor. They had this tease with a lightsaber, and you'll probably be able to do that. But they also talked about playing the holographic chess game that appears in the original Star Wars movie. So keep an eye on that. If, if Disney's going to try moving into a partnership for a hardware space, we'll, we'll see how the VR and AR market continues to expand. Also talked about Marvel Powers United VR. This is an Oculus Rift exclusive, for now at least, where you have different possible teammates, different powers for Hulk, Rocket Raccoon, Captain Marvel, and Deadpool, it seems, as well. Though that was a kind of a, a hidden character, and then some more media outlets were trying, and that got out there, I think. But, of course, the big news was Kingdom Hearts 3. Seeing the Toy Story world, that's that was big, to see that Pixar finally will get some representation. After Toy Story happened, it's like, oh, yeah, you were hearing a couple other podcasts thinking that, you know, that those are deep in Kingdom Hearts communities, saying, like, kind of getting some rumblings and feelings that that would happen and yeah of course like yeah get pixar finding some representation uh looking gorgeous of course i mean it's it doesn't take much to have big improvements from the 1995 uh movie you think about computing back then and now we have you know 2017 and 2018 for a release window for the game do we expect that to be delayed from that? Of course. It's, it's Kingdom Hearts 3. What, what has it been so far? Announced originally in 2013 and keep pushing back and back. But it's good to at least see some sort of commitment. And if it gets pushed from there, you know, we'll 
we'll be able to say told you so there uh so of course yeah we can talk of still about you know frozen i'm sure we'll eventually get announced maybe moana would moana be too soon uh but yeah toy story wow yeah, that was kind of a no-brainer great to see though uh I, I look forward to seeing what it'll be with the english version because you're definitely seeing those japanese voices for for woody and for buzz and so uh, but the world's looking great. Uh, definitely looking forward to that for sure. Telltale put together a Nintendo Direct-like presentation where they announced new games for 2018. First off was Batman The Enemy Within. That's going to be Season 2 of Batman The Telltale Series. First episode already coming out August 8th. That's pretty wild. I'm excited for that one for sure. You also have The Walking Dead, the final season. So that will be Season 4. I'm glad they at least kind of mentioned some sort of season to have The Walking Dead a new frontier for season three, technically. That was kind of an odd departure, but it seems like we're going to wrap things up here, and that'll be good for 2018. And finally, The Wolf Among Us season two. Uh, it seemed like something that they weren't going to necessarily do, but a lot of fan feedback. I really enjoyed season one, and so I'm, I'm happy to see season two confirmed for The Wolf Among Us in 2018. That's definitely big news for fans of those games, and I'll get to talking more about that soon. Uh, but Pokemon Go introduced legendary characters of Lugia and Articuno. They had their Go Fest out in Chicago. Now, uh, some oddities with you know servers crashing and not necessarily having the best live experience for those that flew out or you know live near chicago but to all gather in person they did unlock lugia as a, a, a sort of legendary raid character and then i guess for a contest across the world who which team uh, would catch the most pokemon so team mystic won that thus articuno they say Zapdos and moltres representing the other teams will be coming soon but it's right now it's just lugia and articuno and some people already have both, and that's that's pretty crazy. It seems very difficult to attain those. The Nintendo Online app launched for smartphones in conjunction with Friday's, this past Friday's, uh, release of Splatoon 2. Failing to impress, uh, the biggest problem, aside from it just being bare bones, and uh, it's a foundation for when you're saying people need to pay for this in 2018. I think they got to improve a bit there, but uh, the biggest problem clearly is the fact that there is no app multitasking on the phone. If you're communicating, you gotta leave your phone unlocked for one, that's absurd, you can't even lock your phone. But say you wanted to look up a strategy guide or answer a text message, you leave that app, your call is disconnected. I, I don't know what it is with Nintendo and online functionality. You'd think even with the DNA partnership that that should be a no-brainer, working on mobile devices that this publisher, uh, baffling. I hope it's something that can be patched because, you know, Splatoon 2 seems like a great game from all reviews and from everyone who's played it, but man, you don't want this to be a blot on the game's future success. Getting to Overwatch, though, the Overwatch League announced teams that have interesting sports owner connections. You have Bob Kraft of the New England Patriots and the COO of the Mets, Jeff Wilpon, fronting the Boston and New York teams respectively. Now, as someone who is not particularly interested in Overwatch like myself, I find myself intrigued by Overwatch League because it's a different approach on esports. Now, most esports, they have the teams, whether it's you know Cloud9 or, or Panda Global, and they try to have different footings in different games. And so, yeah, you'll see different sponsors you know, pop up there and they try to build good teams in different, different games there. But the Overwatch League seems to be taking the approach that it's very much like how major sports are built in North America, uh, being it's very city-based, and they recruit based on cities, and you build the teams there. Uh, so there are seven teams at the moment in Overwatch League. You have Boston, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Miami, Orlando, Shanghai, and Seoul. And to have that be a foundation, they say that's you know based on the the biggest concentration of Overwatch players, and it's a good starting point. I think you, if you want to expand more uh, internationally, you could do a London team, you could do a, a Rio de Janeiro team, uh, but that's you know uh, entirely possible. But to start with that, and if you want to think of you know what do sports do to have you know engender that support, uh, I think have it be very local based and have it be easy to follow based on a specific you know, game, but also localized teams. It'll be interesting to watch the Overwatch League and see uh, how it does. Though it, I guess I saw an article where they're, you know, Major League Baseball may be interested in having a lawsuit because of its logo. I think that's a huge stretch with the, the white character based on a, a two-tone color scheme. I, I can see maybe this sort of comparisons, but they're 
they're definitely distinctive and different, so that's a little absurd. And finally, Nintendo files a Nintendo 64 controller trademark application uh, based on the timing of when this happened, at least for Super Nintendo. This would suggest that not only are we having an NES, or Super Nintendo rather, classic coming later this year, Nintendo 64 classic may be on the horizon maybe for next year or possibly sooner. Uh, so it's getting people talking about, you know, what N64 games do you want to see on it? And uh, it's making me wonder, like, is there going to be a stopping point? I, I can't imagine a GameCube classic, like being, you know, two years down the line. That seems absurd. But if they stop at N64 classic, fair enough. But then you're going to start, you know, talking about, you got to sell those controllers. Are you going to sell four controllers with an N64 classic? Because that was the big deal with that system, the four-player multiplayer. So uh, something to keep an eye on, you know, start speculating with lists uh, but if an n64 classic does come to pass next year this would be the starting point of when that conversation started to happen at least in the fan space but let's get to the main topic though and it is about telltale games plans for 2018 i kind of wanted to run through at least the games that they have already confirmed that they're working on or at least they're still in the progress points of uh, and then we can kind of speculate i guess you know, could other series from their past be continued or what new series could be established? Because Telltale Games really started as a very small studio for the point and click sort of adventure, uh, you know, all the way back with Sam and Max. And then, gosh, even in the Wii days, you had Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people uh, based on the Homestar Runner property. Uh, and then they kind of expanded there. Once they got big properties, you remember, you know, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. And those weren't reviewed too well, but it was really in 2012 with The Walking Dead season one. Uh, that really kind of placed Telltale's footing in the industry. They have a very specific style of game with making dialogue choices and making those big decisions. Uh, and if you have not played a Telltale game, I would say, yeah, maybe Walking Dead season one is the place to start. Kind of see where... That, that's begun, and it's still, you know, so, such a high quality, uh, you know, great, great storytelling, and, you know, rather simplistic gameplay, you know, some quick time events, some, you know, cursor moving, and then quick time events, uh, yeah, the gameplay is very simple, and then sometimes you're wandering across a world, but it's really about the storytelling and those choices, and I do enjoy playing Telltale games, though I, when I look back on all these properties, I really think that, I've played probably the best ones. And that's kind of strange to say. Like Maybe I've, I've strayed away from some of the middling reviews or not as well reviews or maybe just properties I don't necessarily care for. But yeah, let's get into 2018's plans for Telltale because what started as a very small studio has grown to be working on... Currently, they have five properties and five games that they're working on either in pre-production or currently in production. And that's... That's crazy to think about. So as we mentioned during the headline roundup, uh, Batman the Enemy Within. Uh, one of my top 10 favorite games last year was Batman the Telltale series. And I'm glad that they're turning around a second season quickly, but I mean so quickly. Uh, episode one of season two to be coming out in two weeks? Uh, that's it's very surprising. Don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled. Uh, I, I loved where season one went. Uh, you know, how it kind of, put twists on the Batman canon as we know, but using that good, you know, telltale storytelling style. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. The, the teaser trailer hinted that Riddler would play a part, but there are certainly a lot of characters from season one that could be making their return. You have The Walking Dead, the final season. Uh, and this is interesting for me because I, I still need to play A New Frontier. Heard a lot of things about, you know, they're trying to introduce new characters, but the way they still try to bring in Clementine in the third season almost seemed like it was a story detraction, which is interesting. Uh, so you maybe you don't care as much for the new characters, and maybe Clementine plays too big of a role. But I, I did play the first two rather extensively, the first two seasons, and uh, really loved what they were doing with those characters. So I'll have to get to playing season three, A New Frontier. But again, your final season, good that they're wrapping that up. I mean, put that one to bed work on new properties. I think that's really good to see. But The Wolf Among Us Season 2 is is really, really exciting to take the Fables graphic novel series, which I had no association with, no knowledge that it existed. But to make me care about that world and put twists on you know classic fairy tales and uh, characters that you may associate with Disney, uh, but to put them in new, dark, film noir sort of style lights... Uh, 
very, very excited to see what they're doing with season two there. So Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us, both 2018 scheduled. So could be, you know, mid-year, could be later in the year, or could be early in 2018. So there's there's still a lot there. But Telltale is still currently working on two other series. That's, you know, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. There are two episodes through on that one. And again, like that's another one where it's like, it's, it's okay. But, you know, maybe it's starting to show its age with the Telltale formula. The, the big knock against Telltale is its tech, right? So those who have played Telltale games know that they, they built an engine and it worked really well for The Walking Dead. But uh, because they have to provide to so many platforms, be it console, PC, mobile, to try to get that big audience... To have an engine that works, you know, in so many different avenues, uh, it it's pretty prone to crashes every now and then. And then you're trying to involve things like, oh, well, now we have some more physics, or the graphics have improved a little bit. Uh, people have been wanting to have Telltale just revamp and just build a new engine from scratch. And when they're working on so much, I'm not sure they'll really have the time or energy to do so. But hey, if they want to hire software engineers in the background and just start working on it, you know, by all means. But yeah, very middling review scores currently for Guardians of the Galaxy. I hope that turns around. You'd like to see a Marvel partnership, especially with their new games outfit, work. Uh, And they also have Minecraft Story Mode Season 2, which uh, is one episode out. But those have longer seasons. I think what Season 1 had like eight episodes. That's that's pretty unusual for the standard five-episode norm for a Telltale series. But uh, someone who does not have much Minecraft connection like me, not particularly interested in that one, I guess. So you do have other series from the, the studio's past. You have Tales from the Borderlands, which was excellent. Game of Thrones, which was you know average. Again, another kind of middling review score. And then you have you know their past before The Walking Dead. So yeah, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, Puzzle Agent, Poker Night at the Inventory was something entirely different, but you know still getting different characters from different series to play. Texas Hold'em. Uh, and then you have Hector, Badge of Carnage, as you mentioned, Strong Beds, Cool Games for Attractive People, and Sam and Max. So. You have these five series with Batman, Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Minecraft for 2018, but could there be new series on the horizon? You think lately, Telltale has kind of brought in series that have a good amount of nerd cachet, Uh, so you got to wonder, like, what is still out there? And it's going to be interesting to kind of think about what could happen. I mean, maybe we'll put together a list in the future of like, what are the top five most likely Telltale franchises? I think just, you know, what immediately jumps out at me is if Disney gets on board and says, you know, do a Telltale Star Wars game. I think, I think we'll almost like hit the apex of, you know, maybe the Telltale attention or something like that. I wonder like, when does the bubble burst? Because uh, I, I mean, I love these games and I, I do want to get to play more of them, but when is enough enough? Like, when do we hit that that peak where maybe people will become sick of it? Maybe it, it, when it hits that you know technical bubble, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, as a big fan of Telltale's games and someone who really enjoys the narrative push in games, uh, they're a developer that I'd like to keep my eye on and I'm very curious on their plans for 2018 and curious if you are as well, because that's what I have to say. When we come back, we will get to the callers. What do you think? I mean, we can talk about anything from that headline roundup. We can talk about Telltale. We can talk about games that you're playing recently or even your favorite games. So many possible things to talk about in case you don't have any idea what to talk about at the moment. That'll be when we come back here on the power switch. Welcome back to The Power Switch. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say, whether it's about Telltale Games or Evo or any of the other stories we talked about. Uh, this has been a, an exciting couple of weeks, You know, whether it's big tournaments or big announcements. I mean, we're coming off of Comic-Con, and it's also interesting to see, you know, not only is it big for you know, nerd news as a whole, but not as much of a video game sort of show uh, right there. But it's been an interesting time, interesting couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to getting back to you, the callers. So let's hear what you have to say. Joining us from New Jersey, Matt, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the show. What do you have in mind to talk about today? So when it comes to Telltale, the thing about it is that a lot of people online have started to sort of lose faith in Telltale and the Telltale formula. Mm -hmm. And 
you get the people that never really understood it in the first place saying, oh, your choices never really mattered. The same story happens one way or another, which is obviously unreasonable for countless reasons. Yes. But I think that there is definitely a way in which the Telltale formula has started to fail, and it hasn't really had that same magic since Walking Dead Season 1. And I can point out like exactly why I think that that's happened and like what the catalyst for that was. I'm curious to hear this. What do in, you have in mind? In The Walking Dead Season 1, in every Telltale game, actually, it begins with showing you the message that the game experience is tailored to how you play. Mm -hmm. It adapts to your choices. And in Walking Dead Season 1, I'd say that that was 100% accurate. The same overall story happened, but the game made sure to take into account the things that you had said and throw them back at you at certain points. Right. If there's, there's one point that I remember very specifically in uh, the second episode where you can tell offhand these strangers that you just met who the leader of your group is. And then it's, it's, a, it's just any offhand line doesn't mean anything. It's not even one of the major choices that you make. And then later on in that episode, when they offer for you to come join them for a little bit, uh, indulge in some of the stuff they've got going on, you can say that some, you'll need to see what someone else thinks. And the game will specifically bring up if you said two different people there. They'll say, hold on, I thought you said the other person was the leader. Mm. And then the main character, Lee, has to backtrack on that and come up with an excuse for it. That's only one example of something that happens over and over and over throughout that game. Yeah. The, ga the Telltale games say that characters will remember what you say. And in season one, they really genuinely do remember it. Yes. It's not just the big major choices that are the story beats every now and then. Every single line of dialogue that you choose to say in that game has the potential to come back later for you to be reminded of it. Even if it doesn't change the story in any big way, it still feels like every time you play that game, you're making that game your own, your own story. And that's what's missing from Telltale's later games. Now, I admit I've only played their Walking Dead games, and I've seen people play Minecraft Story Mode, which Minecraft Story Mode does not have the greatest reviews, and I think it's 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 earned that. Uh, uh, it, yeah. it seems pretty pretty mediocre, kind of a bad story, and generally the worst offender of nothing you do matters. Yeah, I mean, I love uh, Patton Oswalt, but like him being as the lead like doesn't get me in the door. No, and in Walking Dead Season 2, you start to see that the game doesn't really remind you of the choices you've made very often. And you can see that a lot of the choices that you make are invalidated in the weirdest ways. If you're trying to say, like, stop someone who's just been bitten in one example, then another character will be furious at you for hurting them, even though they're, you know, they're bitten. There's nothing you can do. It feels like the game is starting to railroad you a bit, but it's still overall pretty good. Walking Dead Season 3, New Frontier, is where the formula has completely broken down. In this game, not only do your choices not matter, but they're invalidated within seconds of you making them. Mm. The game has already decided which choice it wants you to make, and the, the dialogue will continue as though you made that choice. In the beginning of the first episode of New Frontier, there's a moment where you have the option to shoot an unarmed person who is trying to run away. Then afterwards, uh, you're confronted by a stranger who is threatening you. And they ask, why should they trust you? If you chose not to shoot the unarmed person and let them run away, then your character will say, I could have shot that person there, but I didn't. And then the stranger that's threatening you will say, yes, but you could have. <laughs> so literally within moments, the choice that you just made doesn't matter. And the minute-to-minute -minute dialogue doesn't make any sense. They say at the beginning of uh, Walking Dead Season 1, the little tutorial pop-ups say that silence is a valid option. Yeah. And there's a moment where you're being held captive in A New Frontier where the character with you, who's holding you captive, is yelling at you to shut up and stay quiet. If you do, in fact, stay silent, he keeps yelling at you saying that he's not going to listen to what you're going to say. Oh, jeez. Walking Dead A New Frontier is the worst offender of the Telltale formula breaking down in a way that they really don't care to have your choices matter. They don't care to adapt the gameplay to the way that you play. 
And again, I've only played the Walking Dead games. I can't speak to Telltale's other games, but I think that that's probably the reason that people are starting to get a bit disillusioned and feel like it's the illusion of choice instead of any real choice. And looking back, I think that I know why that happened. It's because the three main writers for Walking Dead Season 1, Sean Vanneman, Mark Darren, and Gary Whitta, have not worked on any Telltale games since. Mm, yep. Mark Darren is still with the company uh, as a creative designer, but he's not the writer for anything else that they're doing. Sean Vanneman left the country to make Firewatch. And Gary Whitta, I think he's left the company. He seems to be working for Lucasfilm right now, writing episodes of Star Wars Rebels and also a co-writer on Rogue One. Yeah, he was one of the lead screenwriters on Rogue One, yeah, as you said. Uh, so that is that is interesting. Um, it, it's a good point. And I, after not playing season three yet, that is uh, disheartening to hear. Uh, I, what I like about Telltale's games, and it seems like in certain examples, as you said, you know, season one is a great example of when they had those key choices and when certain characters are killed off and it helps the replayability when you're stuck with certain characters, uh, you know, based on the choices you made. And it feels like those are permanent actions. And it felt like uh, that magic in a way was kind of recaptured when I played uh, Batman, the Telltale series, because the way that the choices kind of evolve the story, it doesn't feel like you're being railroaded down necessarily one path. In the sense that in the bridge between episode three and episode four, or or it might be, actually might be, but yeah, it's between four and five. Between episode four and episode five, you're going against uh, basically two of Batman's enemies, uh, the uh, the rivals in a way. And basically, uh, based on the choices that you make, you play entirely different you know scenes essentially. One at the end of episode four, and another at the beginning of episode five. But you could you know miss the whole alternative based on that, uh, based on the choice that you make. So it's nice when in certain series or episodes, like those kind of choices like really matter, but Oh gosh, when it's, when it's something like that, that you mentioned that it's just quickly invalidated. Yeah, that that's tough, but no, I mean, yeah, it, it's tough to lose good screenwriters and good writers that, you know, put writing first before, Oh, well, we have to work this out in a game sense. Yeah, I feel Walking Dead Season 1, I think, was more of a passion project for the company. And then once it was wildly successful, by far the most successful thing the company had ever done to that point, they zeroed in on that and decided this is what we need to keep doing. And it's something that you see in every field when something gets really big. You want to copy it and continue that success. And I... I've noted it even especially with YouTubers. There's the famous Mr. Plinkett reviews of the Star Wars prequels. Um, the the three the reviews of those three movies are really great, but every every time the character of Mr. Plinkett has appeared since, it doesn't feel quite the same because the writer and performer Mike Staclasa, he created those videos from a point of knowing that he had something that he wanted to say and he had a fully formed idea in his head before he ever started the video when it comes to the later videos he's making them because people want more mr plinkett mm -hmm. that's why those videos aren't as good i think it's why people are starting to get tired of telltale because i think that telltale isn't making these games anymore because they have an idea and because they want to i think it's because this is where they're making most of their money and they're just pouring it into every franchise. And it's frankly kind of scary how many different projects they have going on for the size of their studio. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten way bigger, but yeah, there's certainly a, a lot of properties. And maybe it's just a case of, you know, when a certain property comes calling, you don't say no. And I, I get the feeling that happened you know, with DC, that happened with Marvel. Uh, now, the DC one seems to be working out, you know, certainly well with Batman, but. I mean, you look at Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy, and like that seems like something that would be ideal for Telltale, but like it's it's not clicking. It seems, at least critically. I think that the the fact that they're they're straining and struggling to get everything together, working like this, it's starting to show. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate the the Red Letter Media shout out there. I mean, yeah, the <laughs> when you look at the Mister Plankett review, particularly for The Force Awakens, like it was it was still good, but there's there's as you said, there's some magic about the prequels and, and those reviews in particular, but it's a good thing. If you don't know red letter media, go check out their work half in the bag. <laughs> you know, the other shows definitely definitely check that out. Uh, that's, it's really, really interesting insight. And yeah, I did, didn't, didn't really think about following it to the, the screenwriter level. I didn't even, you know, click to me that Gary would have worked on 
the uh, on the first season of The Walking Dead. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's done great work since. And yeah, you have the Firewatch connection that I was saying, oh, from the one of the writers of The Walking Dead season one. It's like, oh yeah, there there is that too. Firewatch is another one mm-hmm. I have to get to. And fi- Firewatch, I haven't been uh, been able to play yet, but I've I've heard extraordinary things about it. So mm-hmm. it's it's clear that the talent of those writers hasn't disappeared. What yeah. with you know Firewatch itself, Rogue One, and uh, Star Wars Rebels being very well received. Um, it's very clear that the talent that worked on that first season is still very talented. Yeah. They're just not still at that studio. Yeah, maybe it, it, it all comes back to you know seeing who is on the writing crew for that game and what their lineage is. Because, yeah, for those Telltale games, like the gameplay doesn't matter. Like it's it's so inconsequential. But when writing and narrative is everything, like that needs to be it, where the talent is. Yeah, and it reminds me of when when people throw around the name Bioware mm, yeah, um, yeah. because they loved their earlier games like Baldur's Gate. I think it's literally no one that worked on Baldur's <laughs> Gate is still at that company. So when people look at a new Bioware announcement and say Baldur's Gate was great, the Mass Effect trilogy was great, well, those studios have changed a lot. The name Bioware is just a name. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the same people are there. Yeah, and you talk about Bioware with their their big shakeup of Aaron Flynn moving on from the company as you know general manager, Casey Hudson coming back to to lead that studio. Uh, you know, Casey Hudson being the front point man essentially for the Mass Effect trilogy. And so yeah, when you wonder like, well, what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda? And there's a whole litany of reasons why, but you know, it doesn't help when you know the big lead creative mind behind it leaves the company and is not there for Andromeda. So, but yeah, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good point. Well, Matt, I appreciate the the insight. Thank you for calling in. Anything you'd like to plug? I think it would be remiss if I didn't bring up what I consider to be one of the the best culminations of the Telltale formula in uh, Until Dawn. Oh, uh, gosh, yeah, yeah. If you have PlayStation Plus, is free uh, for this month. Um, I just finished the game very recently, and I have I have some specific problems with it of things that I don't like. But as far as the Telltale formula itself and following that, it does an extraordinary job. Um, every Everything you say to, to another character, everything you do matters in the relationships that you have with those characters. And the relationships that you have with them will affect major points of the story, major decisions that you make. And ultimately, the way that the game ends will be decided on how those characters feel about each other based on every small line that you, of dialogue that you choose to say. It's, it's the best example because even when there aren't any significant changes from a given line, that line will still contribute to the relationship values that will affect major decisions later. And so that's why, if, if not the best, then Until Dawn is one of the best of the Telltale Formula type games. And I think you know, it's, it's free for another two weeks, I think, for, on PlayStation Something Plus like that, yeah. if you currently have it. So I think if if you're interested in the kind of game that Telltale makes, it's it's a no brainer for sure. Yeah, Supermassive did a great great job with that, and it is amazing. I, I played it, gosh, maybe half a year, a year ago at this point, but it, it's it's so good. Uh, if you have a PlayStation Plus account, definitely get that in your library. But if you do miss it, I mean, the game will be you know twenty bucks, fifteen maybe. Uh, you know, if you can't play it right now, save it for October. Uh, that is you know, prime spook season sort of game territory. And it, it's one of the better looking games, at least when it's trying for uh, realism and faces and all that with the, the facial capture. One of the better looking games on PS4. So yeah, do not miss Until Dawn. Give it a shot. The game definitely does look very good. Not only not only like the faces, but also the environments and everything. Very, very good. Oh, and Peter Stromer as the doctor is, is spooky. He's spooky. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. He does a a uh, really great job. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Robots in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hayden Benatar's in it. Um, One of the guys from uh, Agents of Shield. Yeah, Agents of Shield Ward from Agents of Shield. Yeah. All of them pretending that they're teenagers. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great plug. Do not miss Until Dawn. Really appreciate mm-hmm. that one being a shout out. Well, Matt, thanks for your time. You have a great night. Of course. You too. And joining us from Illinois, Video Game Guru sixty four. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Good to be back. Thank you for calling in. What would you like to talk about today? Uh, I would like to talk about uh, Evo and how that Smash uh, final was uh, bonkers as Bayonetta just threw Diddy Kong out of the top of the uh, stage. That was pretty amazing, like an off-screen kill, and it really came down on the wire. It was remarkable. 
Yeah, it was like, and how uh, Salem uh, he came back from uh, losers bracket and yeah. That really makes it more impressive. Uh, yeah, Zero being yeah. Uh, such a juggernaut, and you remember, you know, he won the the tournament for uh, when is that E three, and they had the Smash Brothers Invitational and all that, and he beat Hungry Box. Uh, yeah, for, he's been on top of the Smash Brothers Wii U world, and I, I'm pretty sure it was Salem who, back in the Brawl days when Meta Knight seemed unbeatable, came out of nowhere, and I don't think it was. At an Evo, maybe it was like an Apex or something like that, but it came out of nowhere with a Zero Suit Samus and knocked out Meta Knight. And uh, another thing was uh, I couldn't get Twitch to load on the Evo night, so uh, Disney XD was having the Evo uh, finals for Smash. That's right, yeah. So it's like, oh my god, I can watch Evo on TV. That's that's Finally. pretty exciting. Now, ESPN2 had the partnership with Street Fighter V, and they've had that for the last couple of years. Always interesting to see the, the Twitter reaction when it's like, oh, what are video games doing on my sports network? But, uh, you know, Disney XD makes a lot of sense for, for Smash Brothers, and I've been hearing some different stories on Twitter of how that's just, it's done so well with kids that were watching. And you're getting reports yeah. from parents just like my kids watch with their friends and they're playing Smash Brothers all the time and they want me to buy a Wii U. And it makes you think, get Smash Brothers on Switch already. What are you doing? Yeah, like pointing them exactly. to a dead console. It's absurd. Exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully they will get uh, Smash on uh, Switch uh next year i hope so if it's not in the first half of 2018 i think they're missing the big boat you can talk about how you know oh you don't want too many local multiplayer games well isn't that what you're selling with switch you know i I hear so many people saying that you know i'm i'm at the airport and i'm playing mario kart i'm like in i'm in a switch commercial i'm like yeah that's that's the point you're going to you know, break off that screen. You're going to get those Joy-Cons. Yeah, and Splatoon 2. They want to talk about yeah. like, the eSports angle. I mean, it's right there for the picking. I'm about to go on vacation in a little bit. So uh, I can imagine that we'll be playing some you know, Mario Kart up in a, a cabin by a lake. And we'll be playing that. That's the Switch dream. Get Smash on there already. Come on. So uh, you haven't played Splatoon yet, right? I have not. Uh, yeah, I, I had the unfortunate incident with Gamefly when they sent me a defective disc and I really did want to play that at least the the single player which I heard was fantastic and uh and then I I missed out on the uh the test fire because we were doing all sorts of stuff for the house I hear uh Splatoon 2 uh it's not that different it has a few uh, different mechanics Mm -hmm. but otherwise it's kind of the same and it's probably better because you can use more weapons uh splatoon one uh you can only use uh one weapon in single player Mm -hmm. yeah and you know that's in a way like when it's broke if it's not broke don't fix it like that kind of thing right if it's already so good you don't have to make too many changes to it i think that's where they why they add the uh the horde mode or as we like to say the horde mode (laughs) uh yeah adding adding that sort of mode there uh that's that's good for you know, extending the content that's on the cartridge there, but yeah, you add the more weapons, you add some more maps. Uh, you know, I think that's that really helps. And again, it's it's that portability factor that's really going to help. I, I hear very good I, things overall. I uh, bought my Switch to uh, my uh, local card gaming place because uh, uh, yesterday was the pre-release for a new uh, set of uh, Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm waiting for it all to start up i pulled out my switch got a few matches of a splatoon in and uh well i guess two other people uh were uh pulled out the switch and uh got splatoon matches in well i guess one other person because i don't well that's that's awesome that's the dream right that's that's really cool did you get to try the online app yet any experience with that I hear it's not that good, and uh, I know people uh, are streaming uh, Splatoon uh, 2, and they're on my friends list, mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly they get a phone 
uh, call, or, I mean, like, uh, app call to say, uh, you are invited to play Splatoon 2 with this random person. It's like, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. Right, right. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. And that's, uh, that's part of the tough thing is, I mean, as much as we love Discord for making this show work with all the different callers, like, why just not use Discord? That seems to be the way, and I, I do hope that Nintendo figures it out. But because... It, especially well, when they want people to pay for the service, you got to make it a little more user intuitive. And uh, the other fact is, uh, you can't use other apps as well as uh, wh- when you're talking to people. You can't uh, go to another app and see what's up with Twitter or something. You have to stay on that uh, Nintendo Online app. And that's so absurd. And like when you can't even lock the phone, it's like, has Nintendo used a mobile phone? Have any of the developers used a mobile phone? You think between that and then you think of the headphones and the cord connections and where it all has to go when you use this external thing. Like, what are you thinking? It makes me think of, I follow a couple of people who are, you know, pretty kind of close to the Nintendo and development sort of side of things. And, uh, they they share this story and I I have no way of verifying if it's true or not, but it at least makes for possibly a humorous insight of why maybe things work. Uh, you know, kind of a, a tale originally posted on Reddit of how when they were kind of developing an Nintendo online system and they had different contractors come in to pitch the idea and they're talking about oh well like on you know xbox live and like on playstation network and comparing different features to things like that and you know like halfway through like they're all quiet and not saying much and then after a certain point they had someone you know speak up because you know japanese company and all uh it basically like can we can you stop referring to those services nobody here knows or has any experience with those services i'm like that would if that's true that would be shocking but also would make a lot of sense because if you have such a disconnect between how online services for games should work versus what you created, like it's, yeah, it's flabbergasting. Yeah. That's a really bad situation to be in because I don't use Xbox live or PlayStation, but I, I, I know of them and I know how good they are to have online communications with and getting across with Nintendo is like, what have you been doing these past 10, yeah. five maybe yeah. years? Yeah. And I get if they <laughs> wanted to cut costs for the system itself to not have that built in. I'm okay with that. I, you know, if you want a mobile app, fine, but at least do your dil- due diligence, you know, developing that. Uh, so that's, that's really just kind of shocking there, uh, but I, I do hope that you know that turns around. Splatoon Two seems to be, you know, very well reviewed, and it could just continues this this rollout of you know at least every month a really good game kind of rolling out. I mean, in August we'll see well, at the end of the month we'll see uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Well, and uh, I, I know this is not a real big game, but uh, Fate Extella is coming out like day of mm. this. So okay. I don't know uh, who would want to buy this. I- I'm personally going to buy it, but I don't know what like other Fates fans would. I- I- I've heard good things about the Fates. Fate series, but yeah, it's definitely a niche audience for sure. Uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, you're going to have the big appeal of, you know, to have Sonic Mania be portable on Switch. That's, yes. that's really exciting. So there, there's definitely you know, good games coming to the system. It's it's gonna make its turn at the holiday season. Uh, you know, Super Mario Odyssey is gonna be a big one for it. There's there's a lot to like with Switch, but gotta figure out that online before you start having people charge for it at the beginning of the year, and at least make it clear what's happening with Virtual Console. Because man, I want to take my retro games portably and not get collectors' items to just play retro games on a TV. Well, Video Game Guru 64, appreciate the insight. Thank you for calling in. What would you like to plug today? Yes. Well, I do have my fun code on Switch that posting in the Discord. There you go, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, if anyone would w- want to join me on Splatoon uh, 2, <laughs> hit me up. There you go. You can find it in our Discord. You can... Uh, 
find you on Twitter at VideoGameGuru64. And so, yeah, check that out there if you want to play Splatoon 2. That's a, that's a great plug. Good, you know, social network. Get that shout out there. Thanks for your time. You have a great night, all right? Yep, you too. All right, thanks for the calls, guys. When we come back, we'll talk about having some thoughts on upgrading to the next step in media. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's an interesting transition I'm about to go through with my media experience. And that will be when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Transistor. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific video game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. Now I'd like to give a thought on 4K and upgrading to 4K media and 4K gaming. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, I am in the process of moving house in the next month or so. We, we close in the middle of August, if not sooner. And, uh, at least assuming everything goes well, yeah, there, there could be, you know, just an unforeseen pitfall that just foils the whole thing, but everything's moving along just fine. Everything's looking good. It's, it's really exciting, uh, you know, to, after my wife's been here from a couple of years from England and we've been living with our brother and it's been a really good situation to start saving money. Uh, but we need that place of our own. And as a result, we've been in the process now of, uh, kind of planning out how we're going to divide up all of our things because, you know, I live with my brother, you know, most of my life, you know, aside from when I was away at university, and we've built up a lot of things, uh, but things have to be fairly divided. And so uh, it's going to come to the point where, you know, we are going to need to kind of almost create a new entertainment center set up uh, for our new place. And it, it comes to the point of saying, yeah, maybe this is the time that we make the jump to a 4K TV. And that's kind of interesting to think about because you know we're still at a point with 4K TVs, I would say, where you don't definitely don't have the mass adoption yet. But for most quality sets, they've come down in price to the point where it's it's at a point where you know when when 1080p TVs were catching on, like those same price points are, are right about there. It, it's you know it can be very affordable depending on the size that you get. So doing a lot of research there, you know, thinking the 4K TV, you know, probably something like a sound bar, which is interesting, you know, kind of moving away from the usual receiver and speaker sort of setup. You do get more power when you're with the receiver, uh, but at least the sound bar, you know, can be affordable, get good sound out of it, simpler connections, which is going to help at least starting out. And tying back into gaming, uh, this means we're probably going to be making the jump to not only a PS4 Pro, but an Xbox One S, kind of leaving these these current systems with my brother in order to jump up to something that is 4K and HDR compatible. And I think that's, that's something that's going to be pretty key is to make sure you get a 4K TV that has that HDR if you're thinking of making that kind of jump because that's with the high dynamic range, like that's going to be something that is going to help the future proofing of, of that set. Of course you do want, you know, the higher resolution, all that kind of stuff. And uh, maybe you're not the biggest believer in 4k yet. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly someone who hasn't experienced it as much. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, you know, a believer yet, but I'm, I'm not about to put, you know, money into just saying, well, let's just get another 1080p TV. Like if now is the transition time, now it'd be that point. And so that that's very personal. That's a very, you know, based on budget and your circumstances, like that's, that's a very personal uh, decision. But uh, I, I just want to kind of just bounce the idea of where I'm at before making that switch. Uh, you know, I'm not someone who wants to, you know, necessarily get the Xbox one X, but I'm interested in the 4k Blu-ray playback that for whatever reason, is on Xbox One S right now. Microsoft getting that as opposed to PlayStation 4 Pro. I think that that's baffling. But I do want to use the PS4 more. I, I've been using that more as the gaming system of choice, so I'm, I'm looking forward to using the Pro for that. Uh, it can even be as something as small as, you know, I like the look of white consoles. And so when you have Xbox One S that's primarily white, September 6th rolls around and you're getting a white PS4 Pro, and you're throwing in Destiny 2 in there. Uh, so 
I may be playing Destiny 2. Not necessarily a game at the beginning of the year I was I would think I'd be playing, but maybe I'll be giving it a shot for that. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, when the mass market does finally adapt to 4K because it seems like when you're talking about TV sales, like that's primarily what they're pushing. Yeah, you could find the more budget 1080p units, but then you're not necessarily future-proofing uh, yourself there. And the interesting thing is for those that have not bought a house, like during the process, you are highly recommended not to make big purchases because they have eyes on your credit. And if you start buying, you know, big units, big furniture, things like that, it's going to set off some red flags and it could invalidate the whole deal. So that's where I'm, I'm at the point of doing a lot of research and checking things out right now. Uh, so if, if you're curious on 4K TVs, like where I'm looking at right now, I want to get like the best value for the price. I, I mean, I know those OLED TVs are amazing. I have an OLED PlayStation Vita, the original uh, model of it, a white PlayStation Vita for what it's worth. And uh, yeah, the OLED screen looks amazing, but those OLED TVs, three to $4,000 when you're talking about a good size, like that's ridiculous. That's out of the question though. Currently, Dell.com has a deal where you're talking the LG B6, which is like the top TV on the market, OLED, all of that. Normally a $4,000 TV. Dell's got this deal for $1,700 for a 55-inch, and you're throwing a $400 gift card there. That's that's pretty crazy. Still a little more expensive than I would like for the budget and all that, but I don't know if that's something we're throwing out there. But I'm right now thinking like a... Vizio, like an M series, which is kind of their middle of the line there. They're talking really good picture quality there, and you still get the HDR kind of future-proofing that a little bit. You get the smart TV apps, so you're talking Netflix and for, uh, you know YouTube at 4K. That's, that's really exciting there. So I'll probably end up leaning more towards that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want this to come across like, oh, bragging or anything like that, but... Uh, it's making me think about 4K gaming a lot more. And if, if I were not making this transition, I would say I'm, I'm plenty happy with, with PS4 and Xbox One and all that. But uh, it's, it's a big sort of life transition to move into a new place and start, have to start thinking of building some things up from scratch. And so uh, I just kind of wanted to get my thoughts out there on kind of where the 4k gaming market currently is and yeah you can talk about pc and uh, this graphics card and doing all the 4k gaming on the monitor that, that's great but with a more of a console focus generally here uh you're talking about the basic beginnings here and but you need that you need that tv to take advantage of it so i'm at the early outsets and I'm, maybe i'll let you guys know in the future of the show where that kind of develops and if i'm if i'm sold and i'm a believer but that's really all I have to say. That will do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. Now, most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Now, it's a small but growing community. And in these earlier months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you'd like a YouTube video to watch uh, with Comic-Con happening and all that, it's a big movie time, nerd movie time. Uh, my wife's favorite movie probably of all time is Kingsman, The Secret Service. And to see the new trailer for the sequel, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, uh, to have that hitting in about a couple months uh, on September 22nd, that is very exciting. It's a great trailer. Really exciting. If you have not seen the original Kingsman, go see it. Be excited for the sequel like I am. I know it's not gaming related, but that's a YouTube video that's gotten me really excited over the last week or so. So do check that out. I'd like to try to stick to around this time, but we have to maybe be more flexible, especially with guests. Uh, I know next week, uh, vacation for me over next weekend and then that whole week. So uh, I'll be out in remote area taking a little 
little time for myself, especially with all the house stuff going on. It's definitely needed when things are currently out of our hands and uh, kind of have to wait that out. So hoping for Friday night, we'll have another broadcast and hopefully we'll get uh, Logan and Max on that show. That'd be really great. So, but stay tuned to our Discord channel as everything progresses and check out on, on Twitter as well at The Power Switch. Regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.